Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> you. He tried to be kind. He tried to be kind, and it happened. <laughs> it is so good to be here. You guys, it's so good to be in California. Yay. And um, it's good to be. Thank you so much for asking. Thank you so much. And uh, it's, it's nice to be here on, a, on healing school, in a healing school service. I love healing. And um, um, there was a service I was in recently, and somebody read Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Well, they started, you know, earlier, and, but they included 4 and 5. And um, I just thought I could never get tired of hearing what Jesus did. And so we're going to plunge into that in just a little bit and look at some things of, of, of what Jesus did. And um, it's good to be reminded of it. But before I do, this church has been really faithful to, to help Tony and I. So I want to, and the girls, now one of my daughters is married here four years and, and lives in Ohio. And, um, and then I have another daughter uh, getting married at the end of next month. So I think when we we all began partnering, our, our children were quite tiny, and and um, they're very fond of your pastors, Mike and Beth. They love them very much. And I think because they love them first, hey, I reckon. So, um, but anyway, I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update. Um, we've, we have been, uh, we, we went way back uh, in the singing group, Beth and I, we started singing together in 1977. And isn't that right? 1977. And um, the stories that we could but won't and shouldn't tell. But... Needless to say, a friendship was forged in, um, in a van carrying 12 people <laughs> from one side of the country to the other before they got the big bus. That was where we went out. We got to travel in that a little bit, but anyway. And then um, Mike was crusade director during some, some of those times. Later on, actually, it was after we had gotten out of the group. But, um, oh, my goodness, just dear, dear, dear friendship that just lasts. Aren't you thankful for God connections that you can see them after years and years or after months and months or weeks, and you just pick up where you left off, and it's just eternal, and, and it's just kept, and it's wonderful, and you know that they're not talking bad about you and, you, and they know you're not talking bad about them. It's one of those kept relationships. Isn't it just so precious? I love that. And so um, that, that's our relationship. We're just so thankful. But we started out on this, this journey of, um, of being really partnered. And this church has been such a blessing to us in Italy and then Singapore and now in Australia. Australia, we've been there the longest. We are 14 years now, right now, and so, um, and we have dual citizenship there. And after all of that time and 
all of that studying to take the test and learning their national anthem, which I forgot already, <laughs> I still don't talk right. How, how pathetic is that? Wouldn't you like to hear a little Aussie? So anyway, I have an Australian person with me, my dear friend Jenny. She and her husband are uh, have been with us from the beginning there. And um, so we, we love Australia. But just to give you a little bit of what we're doing there, um, we started not a church first. We, we started actually Kenneth Hagen Ministries and and we're a dis we are a distribution center for that part of the world. But uh, we also have Rhema Bible Training School or Training College. And we have um, in Australia, uh, in, the, in the state of Victoria, <clears throat> we have a school. And then we have some other ones developing as well that will be coming up uh, in this next year. Uh, we have a lot of nations in Australia, like we do here in in America. So we have um, we have in in the city where we pastor. There's 217 nations. I know. Wow, it is amazing. But we're going to have a school just for um, Islanders, and so we're just looking. The Islanders would be Samoan, Tongan, Fijian, and so that that's pretty exciting. Two schools that we have going right now are in, and you can look at that, in Papua New Guinea. And so years ago, and I think I told you this the last time we, I was here, uh, years ago the Papuans ate their missionaries. And, um, and so uh, I don't know what's happened, but we're less appetizing now. <laughs> Thank God. And uh, so they're not eating us anymore, but... Um, but the stories, I was just there back in August and in an in a island that I had not been. Papua New Guinea is, um, is a particular area that you can see there. But there are islands of Papua New Guinea that are out and around there. And so I went to one of those islands that I hadn't been at before. And they told me the story of, of that that particular island of when missionary years ago, back in the in the late 1800s, came there, and he had gone to some other places, um, uh, to some other islands there, and had successfully gotten in with the gospel. There's a lot of cannibalism in a lot of those islands, but he had been successful to get the gospel in. When he arrived to this Papua New Guinean island called Rabul. Um, they saw on the beach, um, they saw the natives you know, dancing up and down, you know, waving, waving spears and all kind of thing and, and singing and singing. And so somebody that was with them translated, they said they're singing about their next meal. So the, the missionary said, what do we do to the Lord? He asked him, what, what do we do? Do I go Go, go ahead, or, and the Lord said, don't, don't yet, don't. He said, put your hand in the water, and so you can see um, on that map back there, uh, if you can go back to the map, um, there would be, they were out, do you see New Britain? That's where I, 
I was on that island, and right up at the top where there's two dots, that's where I was. And so there's sea around in, in there, and he put, he put his hand in the water, and it was hot. The water was hot. And so he asked God, he said, what, what, what does this mean? He said, um, he said, you will know when it is time to go on into the shore when the water turns cold. And so while they were just waiting, they began to sing hymns. And this, this would be early hymns of the church, you know. And so they just sang hymns and sang and sang and sang. And so these natives that had been hopping up and down and, and shouting and, and doing what they were doing um, got distracted by the sound that they were hearing coming from the ship. So they got real quiet. And they listened and listened. They could not understand the words. But they listened and listened. And for the longest time, they just felt to just keep singing songs. And so they just kept singing, and these natives kept listening. Well, then, uh, this missionary felt to just put his hand in the water again, and it was cool. And so he knew it was time to go into the shore. And he did. He, br he came into the shore and brought the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they accepted him. And they didn't eat him. They accepted the gospel. Uh, there was so many new concepts for them. What they embraced was a very simple message of Jesus. And what the missionaries left them were these hymns. And um, so here, fast forward then over a hundred years, and... Um, we have a, a, our campus coordinator in the, in the schools that we already have up there. They, um, he, he had in his heart of taking a new expedition to go into some new uncharted areas. And there's still, um, if you'll go back, over, go, go back to the map one more time, there have been times in flying from Port Moresby down at the bottom there to go up to our school straight up above in Lay, or go over to Alital, which is right at the bottom there, um, you don't see any roads, no roads. And um, may, basically, you just have to trek to where you're going, or you have to go around by boat or whatever. And that's how a lot of our students get to school, is in, in boats, or they have to hike their way in. And um, a couple years ago, it took, took students four years to just hike to a tiny little road that would take them to another road that would get them, uh, get them to school. But uh, anyway, now you can go back to that, that uh, boat picture. So he said, I've, I really have in my heart were to take an expedition to go into some new areas. And so they did in that boat. And it doesn't seem like a real seaworthy vessel, but they were out on, on the open sea. That's, that's what they use. And um, we really prayed about this trip because we really believed it was a new apostolic thrust into some new, um, uh, new areas. And so um, there were a couple, um, there were some pirates who had actually um, 
robbed a couple boats and then sunk them. And so they had been out in there, but they felt they were to go. They felt it was the right time to go. But the right time to go was actually a real perilous time on the sea. They had real terrible waves and swells. And you can see that boat isn't really, isn't really huge. And so um, here came the pirates. And so the pirates were trying to... to um, attach themselves to their boat so that they could get on it. But because the swells were so big, it kept on breaking them apart, and finally they gave up. So praise the Lord. Even though it was a bad day at sea, as far as weather is concerned, God knew that was the best time to go because it helped them get away from the pirates. Anyway, um, Kevin told us that uh, the students that came as a result they're having sessions right now in, in, in the school in Alatel. The students that came as a result of this last expedition, uh, their first days in school, they just sat there in awe, just their eyes huge and sometimes their mouth open and sometimes just tears just coming down their face. And Kevin felt in his heart uh, to have at the end of a day of, of class for them to sing um, an old hymn, one of the old hymns that, you know, the pop ones would sing. And they sang this old hymn, and as they sang it, then they cried. They said, we've been singing this song. It's been being passed down from generation to generation, and we never understood it until now. And so their, their uh, ancestors had given them a tradition of Jesus, but they hadn't known what you get to hear all the time. They didn't know. Some of the, um, the gals that were leading worships, one of you said uh, the finished work of Christ. They didn't know about that. It was a very simple message of Jesus. But 1 Timothy, the, first, the second chapter, says that God would have all men be what? Saved. He wants everyone to be saved. But it doesn't just stop there. He wants everyone saved, but he also wants everyone coming to the knowledge of the truth. So Jesus did a massive work when he came. And the, there's many people don't know about it yet. And then there are many believers who know that he came, know that he died, know that it gives them a way to heaven, but don't know hardly a, but a fraction of what that finished work actually means. There is a huge portion of the benefit of what he did that they still don't know. So we get, we get to do that. You get to do that. We all get to do that. We just get to do it in different parts of the world. But I wanted you to know what you're helping us to do in Papua New Guinea. And so uh, we've got a lot of, of uh, graduates who are going and starting schools. As I've flown over, this, over that country, as I said, not seeing any roads, sometimes all it is is just dense jungle down below. But you see a wiggly smoke string coming up and you know that 
people live down there somewhere. You can't see any city or don't even see a village, but you can just see a little string of smoke coming up, indicating that there's human life down there. And you know, God, God knows where everybody is. And it matters where they are. And so he sends people to them. And so we are so delighted to get to be a part of that and to train people actually from that country that aren't, aren't afraid of the anaconda <laughs> or uh, the crocodiles or, or the whatever else they have to face. It's crazy. But anyway, it's such a joy to be there. And uh, so we wanted to let you know about that. Also, this is, um, that is student housing. Can you show where the students also live? We're going to build, we're going to build dormitories coming up. But right now, this is where they're willing to stay for three months. They go to school day and night. And, um, and then they return back to their villages but they're willing to just sleep in. Would you be willing to sleep in a pup tent for three months? I think not, but anyway, some may not be willing to sleep in a pup tent for a night. I've tried it before. Yeah, anyway. So, it's a delight to, to be there, and, it, and they are so hungry for the word, so thank you for your help in, in, in helping us reach them. Uh, something else that I just wanted to update you on, too, because you have given particularly to our home in Nepal. And so just recently, we, we got two more um, little children, a brother and a sister who have just come to us. And so we're able to bring them into a family. It's not so much of an institution field. It's actually a home. And they grow up in that home with... Um, with parents and grandparents and aunt and uncle and a, a, a real family feel. And they come to know the Lord. They're, they're participating in church. And um, we keep them. And so we've been having this, uh, this um, children's home for over 10 years. My dad and I started it a long time ago. And um, so... Two of the girls that start, or a young man and a young girl that started with us as just little kids, now 10 years later, both of them are in Bible school. They graduated from high school, and now they're in Bible school. And we're so thankful for your help to help raise these little people up. They, um, the, schools, the school that we have them go to offer, offers English. Not all schools do. But with the ability to speak English, it does give them an advantage. And um, so they're, they grow up completely different than what their life was getting thrown into uh, with, with no parents or um, maybe the death of one parent and the other one going to sell them. And it's just better than being sold to be brought into a home. We're just so thankful that God has given us arms to, to manifest his love as a father. So, so thankful. So, praise the Lord. It's good. Even though we're, we're far, far away, um, the love that you have uh, and that you send is so appreciated. And it is affecting 
so many people. And I just wanted to make sure you knew about that. Praise God. Are you ready to get into the Word? Praise God. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your great love for us. Thank you so much for your great love for us spiritually and the work that you did to make us new creatures in Christ. Thank you that what you did also includes our soul and that you are the shepherd and the bishop of our soul, the restorer of our soul, but that you also love our bodies. You formed them. You made them. You designed them, crafted them. You love our bodies. I thank you that your, your great plan included this a journey that would cause Jesus himself to live in a human body. And by making the human body his home, sanctified even yet again, greater yet, the value of the human body. And so as we look into the Word of God, we thank you for the light that the Holy Spirit brings that causes us to see things clearly, understand things clearly, so that we can think the way that you do about anything, but think the way that you do concerning our bodies and the bodies of other people. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. I'd like you to go in your Bible to Genesis, the first chapter. We're going to start here. In verse 3, it says, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And I'm reading in the New Living Translation. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And the evening passed and the morning came, making the first day. Verse 6. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. And God called the space sky. And then, uh, and the evening passed and the morning came, making the second day. Then it dropped down to verse 14. We're going to skip a day. We're going to skip day three. Look at verse 14. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the large one to govern the day, smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. He set these lights in the sky to light the, to the, light the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening passed and the morning came, marking the fourth day. So we're not going to read any more of creation, but I want us to notice that three out of the six in God's process of 
creating on day one, day two, and day four. Part of the process of him creating what was to be created on those days was to separate something. I think the King James uses the word divide, or the New King James, the word divide. He divided. And I think that's a very interesting thing, that there would be that repeated and that detail given. I also find it interesting that on day one and on day four, that there was a distinct separation that God made between light and and dark. It was for different purposes and for different things. But he made a separation between light and dark. Uh, we're not going to take time to go to the, to the reference, but you can write it down in the book of Exodus after uh, Moses had been called by God in Exodus, the third chapter, to go back into Egypt where he would deliver the children of Israel out of, out of bondage, it didn't just happen lickety-split. It didn't just, you know, they were suddenly gone. There was actually a process that this went through to happen because of the amalgamation of the children of Israel, the Hebrew people, for the 430 years that they were there. They had gotten embedded into Egyptian life and Egyptian culture. And then there were these series of ten plagues that happened. Four of the ten plagues specifically describe that there was in, in the process of these plagues a division between Egypt and the Hebrew people. That what was happening in Egypt was not happening in Goshen where, the, where they lived, where the Hebrew people lived. So there was a, a, a distinct darkness, no, I mean a distinct difference. One of the plagues, the plague of darkness, and it was, uh, you know, I don't think we can imagine how darkness could be a plague, but it was a darkness that is said could be felt. And there was nothing, there was no light in Egypt to be able to dispel it. It wouldn't break up. It could not be light. But in Goshen, there was light. Um, this, this plague, there was nothing that, you know, not just only natural light, but anything that they could do couldn't break that darkness. But God made a division between Egypt and his people. I think that's very interesting. Don't you find that interesting? I also, before we get into what we're looking about, just about healing, I think it's, I think it's a beautiful thing from Hebrews, the fourth chapter, where it talks about the, the word of God that is able to divide between our soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, the thoughts and the intents of the heart, it has the ability to divide. Mm. Um, 
Tony and I married this couple from our church, and um, lovely couple, and they they had um, different things in their wedding so ceremony that were symbols and uh, symbolic of, you know, they had the lighting of the candle. It was in the day, but they had a lighting of the candle. They wove, a, you know, they braided a rope. I had never seen that one. Uh, but then they did another one where they, um, they mixed sand. I don't know, maybe you've, that's a big thing in California. I don't know, but I had never ever seen the mixing of the sand. So they had, um, there was sand representing him and his journey in life. And it was colored a certain thing and it was in a jar. And then there was sand representing her life and her journey in life. And it was a colored a certain way. Then they had another jar. And then at a certain point, and people were singing, you know, singing lovely. At a certain point, uh, they put their sands into the same jar. And then they mixed them up. So what you saw were these colored grains of sand completely mixed. And the color that used to just be his and the color that just used to be hers weren't anymore. Now it was completely mixed. And I'm thinking uh, another part of the symbolism that they were saying, no more to be divided, never again to be divided. Well, how could you divide that again? How could you get all of those grains of sand back into their original jar? Could not. It was very impacting to me. I mean, I, I, remember, I remember, I'm describing it to you. I've only seen it ever once. And I thought, that is so cool. Why didn't Tony and I do that? <laughs> so never again to be divided. Could not, there would be no way to be divided. And the reason I want to just make that, that, um, that point is there are some things that are just, there's no way they can be divided. What we, what we, uh, is there Kleenex in here? Oh, I do. I see it. Uh, what, what we see from the story of creation, those things of dividing the light from the darkness and dividing the, those elements the, to make the sky the, and making a space. Who can do that? What company in California has the technology to do that? No one cannot be done. It's impossible to make those kind of separations. So, um, but God has the ability to separate things. And he used that ability to separate things um, and describes that ability to separate things where it came to the work of Jesus in redemption. So we're just going to look at it, can we? If you'll go in your Bible to real familiar opening, but if you'll go in your Bible to Matthew, the eighth chapter, Matthew 8.
and we're going to read the healing verse in this verse of Scripture, which I'm sure you're familiar with, but let's read it again. In verse 16, it says, That evening many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said, He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. Now, I want, I want to just read a couple things from this, uh, from, uh, well, one thing from Strong's Concordance, his notes on the word he took, he took, is a Greek word, and I don't have my glasses on, so he took a, uh, it is lambano, L-A-M-B-A-N-O, and it means to get a hold of, to take, and is more violent to seize or remove and take or take up or take away. So when he took our infirmities, when he bore our sicknesses, when he took them, um, it was a process that was referred to from Leviticus, the 16th chapter. And again, we, don't, we won't take time to go there, but we'll discuss it a little bit. On the Day of Atonement, there were different things that were, um, that took place, very important things that took place. But there were two sacrifices made that were really um, very unique and spoke of Jesus. All the sacrifices did. Everything spoke of Jesus. The high priest that, that offered these things and the uh, everything about it spoke of Jesus. But there were two goats that were used in this very special occasion. And one goat, lots were cast uh, to decide which goat would play what part. One goat, uh, its throat was slit and the blood was taken. And... Um, and then it was burned up. This particular goat was burned completely up. But we're not going to talk about that goat very much. Uh, that goat speaks about, about Jesus as well. But there was another goat. And this goat was the scapegoat. And what the priest would do, if you could put, um, if you could put the picture of this particular goat up, the priest would lay his hand on the head of the goat and confess the sins of the people on the head of that goat. I find it a very um, amazing process that simply by declaring the sins of the people, what people had done wrong, they were transferred to this goat. How could that be? It's not, it's not um, something that anyone could do. This is a process that God ordained to separate sin from the people. And it was confessed over the head of this innocent goat. If you could put that goat, up, goat back up there. What struck me about this picture and maybe other pictures that I looked at and other things that I looked about, this poor little goat, 
Poor thing. He, he hadn't done a thing wrong. He was just innocent, didn't know anything was going to happen to him that day. The other goat, you know, was put out of his misery right away. This goat starts taking on all the sins of the people. And then he is led out into the wilderness. We won't go into all those. De I think it's a fabulous story, but I just want to just say this. Led out into the wilderness and let go there. Later on, and Hebrew tradition says that he was actually taken off, this, uh, off of a cliff where he couldn't ever come back. And this would be a picture to us of what would happen to our sins and what happened to their sins at that time, that their sins were removed from them and put on something, somebody else and carried away. And you get the picture of it going, they would all watch the goat as it was being led out of the camp. And they were glad because that goat was carrying their sins. So this verse of scripture says that God laid on him, or that he carried, he took our infirmities and he, he bare our iniquities. And it refers to this Old Testament and Leviticus 16 uh, story of what would happen with this goat. But I want you to picture uh, this or listen to this um, Strong's Concordance notes on that word again. Lay hold of, to take, is more violent. This word, he took our, our sicknesses and carried our infirmities. He took it, is more violent. Wasn't just that he was, um, that he just let it come on him. This word take actually violently grabbed onto it and took it. Amazing. What is, um, what is special about this is the way that God created the human body with the immune system is that if there is any invasion of something sinister, a, a disease, or if there's any virus... If you've ever looked at YouTube, it's a cool thing to do about the immune system. If you've never done it, it's a pretty neat thing. But what happens when something is, that is alien or foreign is introduced into the human body, what the immune system does is amazing. It is violent. How our... our, our immune system immediately rushes and it starts attacking and there's different there's different layers of attack and different defense defense lines of attack that just go after it but when sickness and disease were laid upon Jesus his body who had never been invaded by sin never been invaded by any anything. Instead of anything in him rebelling against it, 
and fighting it off. The fighting off was finished in the garden. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want our iniquities to be placed on him. He didn't want to become sin. That's why he asked three times, if there's any other way we can do this, let's, let's go with that other way. But there was no other way. And so in the end, when he said, not my will, but your will be done, God's will was done. And for it to be done, everything in him had to not only receive, but take what was being laid on him. So the, the, the people saw the soldiers laying stripes on Jesus and laying torture upon him. But Isaiah 53 says that God laid on him the iniquity of us all. And Isaiah, or I mean in Matthew, the 8th chapter and verse 17, he laid on him our sicknesses. But from Strong's, we get the picture that it wasn't just that he laid on, laid on him, and we also know that Jesus wasn't fighting it off. It wasn't just that he wasn't physically thrashing back at the, his tormentors. He wasn't fighting against those people that were torturing him. Spirit, soul, and body, he was receptive to everything that was being put on him. And not only that, he was taking it. Taking it. Not just receiving it, taking it. Are you glad that he took it? He aggressively went after stuff that is not supposed to be in our bodies, weakness that is not supposed to be in our bodies. Weakness of and a breakdown of systems that God had ordered in the creation of the human body. He took the weakness, that's what infirmity, it's a weakness. But a sickness can be like an alien something. So not only did he take the weakness of our own body, but he took the alien sickness that had invaded the human body. And he absorbed it. He absorbed it. And took it to the cross. And God judged it there. In our bodies, it breaks us down. And so God divided the weakness. God divided the sickness or the disease. He divided that from out of our body and put it into his. How can God... And the reason we started on division is because I, I, I picture it sometime. If there's bad little germs going around or if there's bad little cells going around or whatever, how does that, how does he get that out? 
He's the one that's really, really good at dividing things. <laughs> he started dividing things right from the very beginning. He knows how to leave your body whole and get out of it what's wrong. He took what was wrong out and put it on him. And Jesus absorbed it. Hallelujah. 20 seconds. Let's just praise him. Can we just do that? Hallelujah. Lord, we're so grateful. So thankful for what you've done for us. So grateful for what you have done for us. Now, I'd like us to go to a familiar verse of Scripture in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, in verse 23. Paul said this, and this is in the Passion Translation, so it, it, if you, they don't have it, it won't come up. You can just put up whatever translation, New Living or um, New King James. But I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. It says, I have handed down to you what came to me by direct revelation from the Lord himself. The same night in which he was handed over, the King James or the New King James says, in the same night he was betrayed, he took bread and gave thanks. I like that particular phrase in Paul's, how Paul related that, that particular night. He said on the same night that he was betrayed, he did the, the most beautiful work, the most epic work that had ever happened in the history of the world, and it had even been planned before the foundation of the world. And I, I, I love that Paul said it was on the same night he was betrayed. Do you know how distracting betrayal is? <laughs> You could get real distracted from what you were thinking about doing or what you're supposed to do if somebody betrays you, especially somebody close to you. So the Holy Spirit on purpose put this in here. It was on the same night that he was betrayed. On the same night, he didn't have to, he didn't need another 10 years to get over it. <laughs> Didn't, didn't need another decade to get over it. It was on the same night he was betrayed. There was a purpose for his life that even, even the distract, distraction and the pain of betrayal did not deviate his attention from. So on the same night that he was betrayed, it says what he did. He took bread and gave thanks. Then he distributed it to the disciples and said, Take it and eat your fill. It is my body, which was given for you. Do this to remember me. He did the same with the cup of wine after supper and said, This cup seals the new covenant with my blood. Drink it, and whenever you drink this, do it to remember me. Now, so this is, this is a, the classic verse a lot of times that we use for communion. And it's a beautiful verse of Scripture. 
But I'd like us to look at it as a tool for us to receive healing and for us to see this divine work of sanctification or separation. Separation from our, uh, of our body from sickness and disease or weakness. 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us some things that we have when we receive Jesus as our Lord. It says, who of God has made unto us, so God made Jesus to be to us, and there are four things that God made Jesus to be to us. One is righteousness, and who in here knows you're righteous? So that is just a, a, a powerful, powerful truth that revolutionizes your life when you know that if you have Jesus, you have righteousness. Not because of what you've done, but because who he is to you. Praise God. So he is our righteousness. So God made Jesus to be our righteousness. But not only that, God also made Jesus to be wisdom. God has made Jesus to be righteousness, wisdom, righteousness, uh, the first one is wisdom. Wisdom. So if you have Jesus, you have access to the wisdom of God. Isn't that a comfort to know? If you, if you have Jesus in your life, you have access to the wisdom that you need to know about anything that you are confronted with. Praise the Lord. So you're made, he's been made to us what, wisdom and righteousness and then the last one is redemption. And we have a lot of songs about redemption. We have, uh, we have a lot of wonderful confessions about redemption. We are redeemed. And the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. And so we do. We say so. And we sing it. And we know that we're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. So we, it's not something we're going to be after, we're, after we leave this life. If we have Jesus, we are redeemed. Can we just say that? I am redeemed. Let's back up and let's say, it, I am righteous. And let's also say this, I have wisdom. Amen. Because we have Jesus, we have these things. But the third one in the list is sanctification. And this word sanctification, it, it means separation from and to what is good. From what is bad and to what is good. Or sanctification, a purifying of something that is wrong to the divine intention. And this word is in this list as well of what we have in Christ. Sanctification, it, it, it isn't commonly now in this church, it may have been, but commonly isn't talked as much as those other three. I know in my own, in my own teaching, I've taught more on wisdom and righteousness. I teach a subject on righteousness. And then redemption is huge, you know. But sanctification is an interesting subject. But the reason we've just looked at these things about separation is that God is a master 
at separating things. Separating what is valuable from what is harmful. He is brilliant. He is professional at being able to separate what cannot be separated. He's able to separate people from, um, from a generational tendency to certain kinds of diseases. He's able to separate you from that. If that has been in your DNA, he's able to separate that out of your body. Praise God. If there has been generational um, weaknesses in systems of your body, heart, pancreas, kidneys, heart, uh, lungs, whatever, immune system, he is brilliant in separating that weakness out. A tendency to diseases, he's, a, he's able to separate those diseases out. Praise the name of the Lord. So when we take communion, there's so many benefits of communion, and there's a lot of reasons why we look intensely at communion. But um, a while back, the Lord just had me just um, take communion at home on a daily basis. And for the purpose of sanctification, which I didn't know was going to be. I just was going to just commune with the Lord. But then he started showing me how the body of Jesus absorbed anything weak and wrong out of my body or whoever it was I was praying for. He absorbed those things and took it in his. And when I took the bread, I partook of his perfect work of sanctification of my body or whoever it was that I was praying for. Not only body, but also weaknesses in people's souls. Do you know anybody that has some weakness in their soul? You don't, do you? And certainly you don't. But sometimes in, in people's soul, there's a tendency to, and there's just a weakness there. They cave in in certain areas. He took all weakness, all tendency to, to, to caving in, which, you know, erupts in, in habits. He absorbed all of that in his body. Thank you, Jesus. By his body, he identified with everything wrong about us. Let me just give you an, an example. You know, when Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, um, he identified in that flesh, not with God's original creation as far as without sin or without defect and without fault. He came and lived among us. And at his baptism, do you remember? He entered into the water, and John said, Oh, I shouldn't baptize you. You should baptize me. Do you remember he said that? And what did John say? He said, don't, 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 I don't want to baptize you. Jesus said this, 
He said, you must baptize me so that all righteousness is fulfilled. What did he mean by that? What did he mean by that? Well, the baptism of John isn't the baptism that you do when you're being baptized in water, when your pastor baptizes you. That's not the baptism of John. That's a baptism that we do as Christians, as following the Lord Jesus. Jesus hadn't died, was buried, and raised again. That's what our baptism signifies. You know what John's baptism was? Was a repentance of sins, was a, was a baptism of repentance. Ours is a bab- Christian baptism is a, re- is a baptism of identification with Jesus. John's baptism, people, when they were baptized, confessed their sins and were baptized. What was the baptism that Jesus said had to fulfill all righteousness? It was a baptism of repentance. What did Jesus have to repent of? Nothing. There wasn't anything he had to repent of. But it was, a, it was another step. It was another step down. He came from being the, the word of God and was made flesh. It was another step down into his identification, not just with humanity, but with sinful humanity. He was baptism, or he was baptized in a baptism of repentance of sin. And he had to do that to identify with sinners. Sin hadn't even been laid on him yet. But that was even at the beginning of his ministry. He came up out of the water and the Holy Ghost confirmed him. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit as a man that could sin but never did. Praise the Lord, he never did. But when Jesus then became sin and took on him not only our sins, but then also all of our sicknesses, absorbed that into him. It was more than just that baptism in the water. It was literal. He became whatever was ever wrong with us. God separated from us what was wrong, and put it into him. When we take communion, the bread, when we take it, we're saying, I believe that God successfully took everything wrong out of me and put it into Jesus, and Jesus took it away from me. Jesus, I believe what you did for me. And we partake of it. We eat of it. When Jesus was, gave the bread to his disciples, he said, take, eat. Don't just take it. Eat it. So through his body, he identified with us and everything wrong with us. But let's continue to read about the cup then, because there is not only the, the body, but there is also the blood. And the blood is also a part of our sanctification. 
Look in Colossians, the first chapter in verse 14. It says, whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. Let's look at another verse of scripture. Hebrews, the 13th chapter in verse 12. In the Good News Bible, it says it this way. For this reason, Jesus also died outside the city in order to purify or sanctify the people from their sin with his own blood. So the body was a way that Jesus identified with our humanity. But because the blood that was in Jesus' body didn't come from Mary... It came from God when he was conceived. The blood was divine. And through that blood, we're able to come back to God's original purpose with us. He identified with us through his body. Now through his blood, we can identify with him. Praise the name of the Lord. So I just really had it in my heart that there is a work of sanctification that God wants to do. There's a work that can begin tonight. I felt to just share along some of these lines and encourage you along these lines. But I can see in my heart a, a moments of communion with your Savior in your own home. Many of the things that have become absolutely clear to me and has made a difference in my physical body and some things that have changed in my own soul and in the bodies and the souls of some people that I have prayed for in those assignments with communion in the morning didn't happen just as I took communion in church at that time. It was like a daily, as often as I would take it, and it replaced um, it replaced a worrisome thought about that situation. Instead of worrying about it, about being concerned about it, about thinking about it, the Lord said, do this instead. Remember my body and remember my blood. That in my body, I identified with what was wrong with you. In my blood, you identify with everything right I have ever ordained for you. And take it and drink it and eat it. I'd like to encourage you. The Lord is here. He is here. But in your home, he is also there. And I believe there is a work of amazing sanctification, of separation, of things that have just been mixed in. And sometimes we've grown tolerant to some things that have just been mixed into our life, some weaknesses in our mind or in our soul or weaknesses in different systems of our bodies. God wants a sanctification in that area. And for us to receive the work that he did in Christ when he separated those things out of us and put them on Jesus. And we can do it literally, practically, experientially, 
is through communion. Praise the name of the Lord. How do you do it? How do you take it? At church, you can do it just the way that you do it at church. But sometimes if I haven't had proper, you know, something from the, the vine, grape, I'll use a different kind of a juice or a rice cracker or anything. The point isn't the bread, the kind of bread you're using or the kind of, of cup that you're drinking. It is what you're communing with. You're communing with the one who sanctified you and separated everything vile from you. Hallelujah. And as you commune with him for your own life, he will put people on your heart to commune with him about. And God will start separating them from things that are vile, that are in, not only in their body, but their lives are attached to. You think, how can they ever be separated from that? He's the great separator. Praise the name of the Lord. And he is the great reuniter to, the God's, to God's divine purpose and plan for people. Even if they never, ever knew what it was, God's blood has the, Jesus' blood has the ability to raise people up to a place where they fell from that they could never, ever get to by their own efforts. So tonight, we're going to just commune. We're going to take a step, first of all, tonight and, and commune in our own heart over the body and the blood of Jesus. We're not even going to, we're not going to have the actual elements, but I'd like us to commune about it. Uh, Jenny, can you just go to the piano? Hallelujah. We're going to just start by this. I'd like you just to close your eyes. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for what you accomplished in your body through obedient and obedient life. That your body was never contaminated or defiled. Your body was never, ever penetrated by sin even though you lived in the world you never were a part of it even though you were a friend of sinners you never sinned even though you were baptized in a baptism of repentance of sins you never sinned as a as Righteous obedience, you gave yourself to identify with, with people, with us. With so much contamination and so much brokenness. And we thank you for what you did in your body. Thank you for keeping your body pure. Thank you for keeping your body holy and undefiled so that your body, in the end, when God laid on you the iniquity of us all, you were qualified to receive it. And not only to receive it, but to take it.
take it. To take it. So we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for what you have done for our physical bodies and for our souls. Hallelujah. We're just going to go through the different systems right now of our, of our bodies. And if there's been a weakness in your system, in that particular system, I'd like you to see in your heart God putting that weakness on Jesus and Jesus not only receiving it, but taking it and absorbing it into his body. Can we do that? Father God, we, we are amazed at the, at the body that you designed and created. And we pray right now and we acknowledge the systems of our bodies and the senses of our bodies. We start first with the circula circulatory system. So if there's any weakness in, in, uh, in a, a body that is here in the circulation system, blood, arteries, if there's a weakness or something wrong in that area in the circulatory system, the heart, arteries, veins, capillaries, Oh, we thank you, Father God, for putting anything wrong in the circulatory system on Jesus. See it going there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anything clogged in the arteries, see it going on him and him carrying it, absorbing it, taking it, and carrying it away from you. The respiratory system. The respiratory system, the lungs, all that is involved in the respiratory system, starting with the nose and all the sinuses, everything, the whole respiratory system, any weakness there, any infection there, any repeated infection there, anything bronchitis or asthma or anything that affects the respiratory system, any disease that has affected the respiratory system. Father, thank you for taking that, separating that out of our system and putting it on Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for taking it. Can we just thank him for doing that, even for one another? Lord, we're so grateful. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for taking it for us. In Jesus' name. The skeletal system. What a brilliant system. This bone, mar marrow in the bone. The skeletal system. Any weakness, any, any debilitating thing, arthritis, anything wrong in the marrow, anything diseased or weak, osteoporosis, Anything like that in the skeletal system, we see you taking it and separating it out of our body and putting it on Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for taking it. Let's thank him for taking it right now, even with one another. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for taking any weakness in the skeletal system. Thank you, Jesus. Digestive system. 
Father, we're so grateful that you designed our digestive system not to cause distraction and attraction, <laughs> but to serve us. And right now, if, and that, if that's you, put your hand in that area. And Father, we're so thankful that you took any weakness in any of the organs that are involved in our digestive system, took any weakness, any breakdown, any disease, any virus, any sickness, any prone, anything prone to disease, took it out of us and laid it on Jesus. Jesus, thank you for taking anything wrong in the physical body. Can we just thank him for taking any weakness in your digestive system? Hallelujah. Oh, we're so grateful for that. Praise the name of the Lord. Reproductive system. The reproductive system. Father, I thank you. You've designed the reproductive system. Not only for reproduction, but for everything that is involved in that system that leads to balance and hormones and all. In the name of Jesus, Father, we're so thankful that you took any imbalance, you took anything that is wrong in that reproductive system and you put it on Jesus. Jesus, you took it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. A whole reproductive system that functions right for every season of life. Before puberty, adolescence, all the way up through old age, we're just so thankful everything functions as it is supposed to because you took what was wrong and put it on Jesus, and Jesus, you took it. And we just thank him for that right now. That's working in some people right now as some of the other things are too. Thank you, Jesus. Every organ in that particular system functions for you as it should. Let's lift up this, the senses, the senses. And then we'll go back to the skin. Hallelujah. The senses, the eyes, the ears, the nose, touch. Hallelujah, which is the, the nervous system. We'll, get, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But the senses, the eyes, ears, nose, taste. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we are so grateful for your great design, and you designed our, our senses to function and serve us well. And so in Jesus' name, Father, thank you for taking anything weak in the eyes and the ears, anything wrong and weak in the taste, in the smell. Thank you for taking it. And putting it on Jesus. Jesus, thank you for bearing it away for us. In Jesus' precious name. Let's thank him for that right now. Strong eyes. Strong ears. Praise the name of the Lord. Restoration in those areas. Praise God. Nervous system. Communication. Brain. 
nerves, spinal cord. <laughs> that is not to break down. You have not designed it to break down and to cause problem. And so, Father, if there's any weakness, if there's been a cut in that, in that system somewhere, and there's no more communication in an area somewhere, you took the weakness, you took what is wrong, and you put it on Jesus. And Jesus, you not only received it, you took a breakdown in the nervous system. And we're so thankful for it. Now, let's thank him for it. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Miracles in nervous system. Miracles, miracles in the nervous system. Hallelujah. Things opening up in, in the brain, channels opening up right in the brain and communication from the brain, reaching all the parts of the body that it is supposed to go to. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Hallelujah. And your greatest organ, your largest organ, your skin. Mm. Part of the curse of the law. Some of those are skin disorders. Oh, Father God, thank you so much for your love for our skin. That any, any disorder in the skin, anything wrong with the skin, disease, weakness in the skin, you separated it from us and put it on Jesus. And Jesus, you not only received it, but you also took it. Thank you for taking skin disorders and skin weakness in Jesus' name. Can we just praise him for that now? Thank him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you for healthy skin in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And now the soul. And now the soul. Oh, Father Parabushte, uh, thank you, Lord, that you have not left our soul adrift <laughs> to just fend for itself as our spirit is, is united and in union with you. But you've also brought health and restoration to the soul that no matter what, kind of life we have endured, no matter what we've experienced, no matter what has bruised our soul, every weakness, every emotional and personality disorder is put on Jesus. We're so thankful for that. Jesus, thank you for taking brokenness and disorders in the soul. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for taking Alzheimer's. And I know that is part of the, the physical part as well. But can we just lift up the soul area, the mind the mind. You've taken Alzheimer's and dementia and, and schizophrenia and ADHD. 
all the different mental disorders. You've carried those. Jesus, the torment of people's souls and in their minds, you took it. You took it. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Autism. He took it. Praise the Lord. We've got this little guy in our church. His name is Alphonse. He's a darling little boy. How old is Alphonse? Seven? And... um. When he first came, he was so affected by his, uh, his environment uh, that he was born into. His mother had been an alcoholic, and so he had a syndrome, you know, it affected his brain. But he had a level 2 autism, and he was heavily medicated so that he didn't just, you know, just act out. And um, so, bless his little heart, he, he, was, he was manageable with, with pretty strong medication. But even still, with that, with that level of autism, it wasn't level three, you know, where they're almost enabled to, to interact with other people. But he was still, you know, he was odd. He was, it was a bit odd. He was subdued with medicine. But in receiving what Jesus has done, in receiving what God did for, for this little boy, about two months ago it's been, two months ago he went to the doctor. Well, they found out even at the beginning of the year that he was needing less and less medicine. And the doctor was saying, back off on it. Only need to take it once a week. They went back to the doctor, and, and uh, the doctor um, said, you don't have level two autism. It's just only level one, and we would like you to come back next week and have more tests done. So the parents, really happy. Uh, well, the people that are raising him, relatives that have been raising him now since he's been a little boy, tiny boy. And so he came back the following week, and they ran a whole battery of tests, and they said, we're wrong again. They said if, if we didn't have the reports and the, the uh, tests that have been done before, we would never, ever even think you ever had autism. So he doesn't have it anymore. Praise the name of the Lord. So in this world with all the isms and with all the different attack going on, what when we take of the cup and when we take of the bread, not only do we commune with the Lord for our own self, but you drink in and you partake of a reality that you're able to give to other people. And the victory that God got for us in Christ is not private to us. It's to be passed on. But when it's in us in abundance, it's going to come out of us in abundance as well. I'd like to encourage you. 
in your own communion with the Lord, your devotion time can look like reading the Bible, maybe reading a devotional. I felt in my heart to encourage you, look to him in including communion, even for a season, because there are things that he wants to get into you so that he can get his life through you to other people. Praise the name of the Lord. Can we stand on our feet? I'd like you just to lift your hands to him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lord, we're so grateful for the work of Jesus. <laughs> we're so thankful for healing, not only in this room, but in every single home that is represented here. And I thank you, Father, for healing that we carry in the way that people carry sickness or communicable diseases. I thank you, we carry the healer and we carry healing. We carry it and we spread it by speaking it and by ministering it in Jesus' name. I thank you that healing is rising because the work that Jesus did is an eternal work and we're just so grateful for it in Jesus' precious name. Lift up your voice and let's praise him again. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There is nothing too difficult to be divided. Oh, sickness is never too embedded in anybody that it cannot be removed. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We give you praise for healing, Lord Jesus. We give you praise and we give you honor in Jesus' precious name. Tell somebody. Jesus is my healer. He is my healer. Amen. He is my healer. Thank you, Mike. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Wasn't that good? Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and thank God one more time. We bless you, Father. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you, Jesus, that by your stripes we are healed. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.